This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? July 30th edition of the post-UFC 214 podcast here at Fightful MMA. What a card from Anaheim, California. John Bones Jones emerges victorious with a stellar victory over Daniel Cormier, his archest rival. And to help me break this whole card down, as always, the infamous one who was in Toronto, my hometown, returned back home, lost his voice, but it's all back. He's joining us right now, Sean Rossap. What's up, my man? I did lose my voice, and I was I was there. I was in your country less than twelve hours, less than eleven hours ago, and here I am right now. How was the flight? The flight in was pretty good. Uh, I don't know about these Canadian pilots, though. That's my one. It's my one uh, qualm. The only is that uh, it was kind of a rough flight. But did you I check his it. passport and his identification to know that he was Canadian? I'm just assuming, but otherwise it was honestly, and you, I'm, you guys will hear me say this multiple times this week. I have a video blog coming up. It's going to be a complete, just mess of a video blog. Uh, just a mismatch of everything together. We're going to talk about it on the list and your boy Wednesday, but one of the best trips, probably the best trip I've ever taken in my life. I, it was one of the times of my life. Safe to and see I met you, Joe. Joe. Yes, we had a good time there. People uh, that saw the social media pic of, uh, of yourself, me, and uh, and Jimmy Van, uh, now people can see the height difference. Uh, you said it's not that much of a difference. Uh, I, I think I walk around uh, at a much taller 5'7 uh, than what the actual measurements say, but yeah. I'm thinking you're taller than 5'7". Yeah. You seem you – because, know, uh, <laughs> see, you had built yourself up or built yourself <laughs> down, rather. You had built yourself down, and then I met you, and I was like, you don't even seem short. So – yeah, you know what? And You're we not, honestly, a walk-off it's, grand, it's all walk-off grand slam. How sick was that? We were at the Jays game, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Jimmy Van had all his staff there. They do an annual outing at a Jays game. He flew up Sean Ross, uh, Sap, uh, his wife, uh, brought me down as well. We got to meet all his staff at the office of the, of the company that he owns at the Jays game. We had a beautiful suite there. He got treated like gold. Uh, crazy stuff happened in that suite in terms of food competitions or whatever you want to call it. And at the end of it all, a grand slam, walk-off grand slam uh, to end that, that, end that ball game, which was absolutely fantastic. Just like UFC 214 was, with the exception, I think, of maybe one fight, which we will discuss momentarily. Now, I want to ask you this, though. Were you the party that was handling the Fightful uh, MMA account tonight uh, on social media tweeting? I was, of course. I came home and immediately wrote 10 articles and ran the social media. Well, uh, at times, not- uh, because I believe Carlos may have been on there because he was he was live at the Barclays Center doing the Adrian Broner 
getting absolutely washed fight by Mikey Garcia. Well, I didn't see that fight. I know which fights I watched tonight. Uh, all of the UFC 214. I do want to talk about uh, the main event. So if you were the one manning the Fightful MMA account, uh, I believe you are not happy with the big John McCarthy stoppage. Uh, yeah, I think that could have been stopped much earlier. Like, that's that's pretty bad. Like, that was that was rough. Like, maybe three shots too deep. When he's, when he's face down, ass up, it's time to call the fight. Time to all right. call the so, fight. In defense of Big John McCarthy and in defense of, of refereeing in general, uh, first things first, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you ever think that I'm going to challenge Sean Ross Sapp publicly uh, on social media, that will never happen. If I disagree <laughs> with Sean, I'll either text him, WhatsApp message him, uh, or we can discuss it as adults on the air. Uh, in terms of the stoppage, um, even I was at the edge of my couch going, He's going to stop it. He's going to stop it. Um, Big John's theory, and it's something he teaches in the course uh, with a lot of um, uh, of would-be referees. In championship fights, champion, just a bit more of a benefit of a doubt. You go in there to stop it for safety, but give the champion the opportunity to get out of there because they are champions for a reason. So I personally understand why Big John let that go a little bit more than it should have, uh, as opposed to if that was just something that happened in the prelims or it wasn't a championship fight per se, he'd have stepped in there much, much sooner. Yeah, I just I just think it was very clear that, that Cormier was out at that point. I think it was very clear that he was about to go out after the head kick. And for a guy who worked that fight as snug as he did, like I mean, he almost he almost got taken down himself a time or two. That was, that was I, those I guys that, are moving fast. Oh yeah. J- Jones has never looked bigger. He looked humongous. Yeah. He looked like a guy who thinks that he's gonna fight Brock Lesnar next year. You think? Because when they were, when they, I mean, yeah, the weigh-ins, yeah, the stare down, uh, yeah, whatever. When they actually, when Big John started them off and then, you know, sorry, Jones is, is Southpaw. When he started going in there and they started getting closer, closer, I was like, whoa. Now, at the same time, John is, is ex- you know, extremely tall for the division, in my opinion. Uh, and Jones is, is pretty short for the division. So you've got these two different metrics of these two gentlemen stepping into the octagon. So I could understand why um, there's that size discrepancy. But John does look huge. And l- let's talk about the fight. Let's talk about the post-fight call-out. Let's talk about what this means for the division because uh, there was another fight that kicked off this main card that we will have to talk about as well. Uh, John Jones defeats Daniel Cormier. Um, Daniel said it in his post-fight interview, obviously uh, very emotional. He was sobbing. It's not a rivalry because John um, you know, won yeah. two fights. Uh, I, I, I disagree. It was a damn good rivalry. I don't think it's over unless DC, because I know for a fact, in speaking to DC, when now the UFC event, when he fought Johnson or Anthony Rumble Johnson in Buffalo, the 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 almost the tunnel vision that he had for John Jones as if that was the final step in his career. You and I talked about it on Tuesday on the Holy Smokes podcast. This was all he wanted. He just wanted to win this one fight versus John Jones, and he'd have likely hung up his gloves. Now I'm thinking to myself, does he actually hang up the gloves because it's the one man that he cannot defeat? If I were him, I would parlay my previous success into, well, see, the thing is, I don't know if he would right now try to parlay it into a heavyweight title shot because his buddy, Kane, wants to be next in line. But if if Miocic beats Kane, I'm raising my hand and I'm saying, give me this. 
Why not? What's the worst that could happen? You get beat. Okay, no big deal. You lose a heavyweight title fight. Then you can call it a career. Then you can become one of the best analysts in the in the world. I and mean, then, boy, do the UFC uh, have a healthy group of analysts working uh, for them then. But I, I'm not a part of this troll culture that's like, man, I love watching Daniel Cormier cry. You know, I, I don't. I, I feel bad for the dude, even though I have no emotional connection to him. I understand his frustration. I think that often – he does this to himself. Sometimes he kind of comes across as a bully. What I found is that a lot of people didn't like Daniel Cormier because he acted the way that many said that John Jones acted previously, holier than thou. He acted as if like this guy who messed up a bunch was above rehabilitation. And as we found out in the world, that's not always the case. And I hope for John Jones's sake, uh, he stays that way. Here's an interesting note. Right now, the UFC Twitter has a poll up. It says, who do you want to see John Jones fight next? Gustafson, Ozdemir, Lesnar. It is 33 to 30 to 37 right now. Can you believe that? What? Yeah. And in the parentheses, they tried to sway it by putting, P.S., I feel like I know the answer to this. In the words of Joe wow. Rogan, I think you'd be surprised, UFC Twitter. I think you'd be surprised. I think a lot of people know that Brock Lesnar can't fight until 2018. But, uh, which, you know, that was weird. I had, there were people who are in the sport, in, in media, saying, yeah, I'm going to watch Brock Lesnar fight John Jones at MSG. I'm like, not in 2017 or not. Not unless it's, unless it's a WWE fight. Oh, gosh. That's it. These are people in the media so, saying this? Yeah, it was weird. Uh, so like what I noticed early, DC landed like those overhands with regularity on Jones, but Jones didn't sell it at all. Like he wasn't, if those, if those hurt Jones, he's got one hell of a poker face because it didn't look like they affected him at all. I love that John Jones was like using the Machida elbows where he grabs the hand, almost like throws it to the side and then comes across with the elbow. And the, one of the first things I noticed, Joe, was the demeanor in the corners, John Jones's corner was calm. It was relaxing. He was breathing. In Daniel Cormier's corner, you had two guys aggressively shouting things at him while he was looking back and forth like, okay, 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 okay. I thought he won that first round too. And if he didn't, it was close. So Mm -hmm. for that kind of demeanor after that round, I thought it was unsettling. But hey, I'm not DC. Um, Also... I'm not going to hold anything that DC did in that cage after that fight against him. I agree. That man was concussed. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully the commission doesn't find him or suspend him for pushing yeah. John McCarthy. Uh, I'm sure John will probably step in and say, look, the, the guy was concussed. He got, he got knocked out. Uh, he was emotional, blah, blah. Cause Daniel Cormier will likely look at that. Love him or hate him. Sean uh, fans can say whatever they want. Love him or hate him. Like you said, I saw you tweet that as well. Dude got rocked. Okay, dude got rocked. You're not you're not thinking straight. You still can't touch an official. You definitely can't push an official. He did that. I'm sure he regrets it. I, I just hope they don't suspend him or fine him. I hope I hope they don't suspend or fine him either. I don't um, because man, he didn't know what was going on. And if you're finding him, are you are you finding uh, Jimmy Manoa as well? Like, I mean, 
because Jimmy Manawa tried to shoot a single leg takedown, maybe the first of his life, on uh, a referee <laughs> earlier in the night. So, so what are you finding him to? No, of course you're not. That would be ridiculous. Why would you do that? What I want to know, Joe, is who do you think is next for John Jones? He called out Brock Lesnar, said, do you want to know what it's like to get your ass kicked by a guy 40 pounds lighter than you? Come fight me. It's a good one to have on the docket for 2018 because I think even if John Jones loses, he can move up to heavyweight and fight Brock Lesnar, and that's a super fight. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I originally thought about this John Jones versus Brock Lesnar thing and said, just stop. Just stop, guys. Just stop. But as we know, uh, we are in the era uh, – you and I have talked about it at length. We're in the era of super fights. We're in the era of super fights, and we all know that WMIIMG, uh, the ownership of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, are looking to make back some big coin, uh, hence the Mayweather-McGregor uh, fight, because they're getting paid pretty good for that as well. Um, we've seen some of the numbers, some of the ratings for their shows. They're dropping dramatically. Uh, John Jones, Brock Lesnar would be an absolutely massive fight. It would be huge selling on pay-per-view, but it's not going to happen for a while. Um, in terms of who John Jones should fight next, the rightful challenger is Vulcan Ozdemir. Plain and simple. That's who I think as well. That's, that's who I think as well. And uh, we'll get into his fight later, but I think he's the best bet. I like that more than the Gustafson fight for a couple of reasons. I mean, I, he, Gustafson looked great against Teixeira. That, w- that was a hell of a win, but I, I would like to see Ozdemir. They would capitalize, I hope they capitalize on that. Uh, let's let's talk about some of the salaries here. Daniel Cormier made a disclosed one million for tonight. That's great. He's also getting a cut of pay per view. John Jones got uh, five hundred thousand dollars in show money, no win bonus. Of course, he's getting a cut of that pay per view. Tyron Woodley five hundred thousand, no win bonus, cut of pay per view. I would imagine Maya one hundred and ten thousand for show. Cyborg, 200K. Avenger, here's a good one. Avenger made 100000 tonight. Earned every me. damn dime of it, which we will also talk about. Lawler, 300K, uh, which was an interesting split. 200 in show, 100 to win. Not something you see very often. Uh, Cerrone picked up 155000 uh for show money. Uh, Ozdemir, 110. Or actually, yeah, 110, uh, an 80,000 to show, 30,000 to win, another weird split. Um, 120 for Manuel. Now, I want to ask you do you think that's the new way of some of these contracts is that they're more front loaded? Yep. Perhaps. Yep. That's been what talked about, about by fighters forever. <clears throat> um, I think the fighters like it uh, because they, they know that, okay. It's it's if you don't understand the mathematics of contracts, it, it may not make sense because the old way is obviously pretty much fifty fifty. You get fifty percent uh, to show, then you get if you win, you get the other fifty percent. When in reality, the guys want to get paid more, and if they win, get a little bit of a bonus, right? So let's say fifty thousand to show, fifty thousand to win. If you win, you make a hundred thousand dollars. If you lose, you only make fifty thousand, right? But give me seventy five thousand or eighty thousand. And if I win, you give me an extra 25000 That's more of a bonus structure, right? Give me a bigger paycheck so I know I've got to pay for my corners. I've got to pay for my manager. You know, everyone gets a cut sort of thing, the gym, blah, blah, my nutritionist, dietitian, all that kind of stuff there. Get it. Totally understand that. Give me a bit more money up front. And if I win, 
then give me a bonus. I think that's how all contracts should have always been structured because I've never had a problem with a base pay. Uh, and then, you know, uh, um, if you win, you get a bonus. If you finish, you get a bonus. Uh, we used to talk about back in the day when I was promoting with some of the events up here in Canada, um, if you finish in the first round, second round, third round, uh, and then the type of finish type of finish, right? I took away the type of finish because I said there's no difference between winning by armbar or winning by knockout. It may be more exciting for the fans, but a finish is a finish, right? But if you finish the fight first and you consistently do that, fans are like, man, you got to watch this guy, this guy or girl. Um, very, very exciting, right? So I got no problem with these front-loaded contracts with a bit of a bonus at the end. As far as I'm concerned, when you talk about Tanya Evinger making 100 k man, she earned every penny of that. We'll get to that momentarily, but uh, man, am I a huge fan. I'm, sorry, I was already a big fan. I'm a bigger fan of hers now. Um, anything you want to close off on with the John Jones uh, and DC scenario? Yeah, um, we were, we were going to have updates from the press conference throughout this. That way you don't have to sit between those uh, weird 10-minute wait periods. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, any, any additional information that comes in, we'll, we'll address it. We'll be a little bit all over the place there. I, I would be willing to bet that the first two rounds that Jones-Cormier fight had more strikes thrown than the entire Woodley-Maya fight. I understand why Woodley – that Woodley had to fight this way and he had to against Thompson both times. But, you know, if I, I, I kind of feel for him, but I kind of don't. He's like, you know, they don't market me. They don't market me. They don't market me. It's hard to market that. It is. And it, it's it's as much his – I don't want to say it's as much his fault. It, the stylistic matchup facilitates this type of fight. Like, I know that a lot of people thought that he would step in there and dead Damian Maya with a punch and stuff, but Damian Maya's a tough dude. You all remember that Anderson Silva didn't do that to Damian Maya? We're talking prime Anderson Silva, 15 pounds heavier, who fought at light heavyweight, didn't KO Damian Maya. So I don't know why. I mean, I know a lot of people were expecting Damian Maya because he's older and stuff to do that. I still think Damian Maya can win fights until he's 45. But he'll have trouble against the tip top. This was not a good fight. The least strikes in UFC history in a five-round fight. Um, I thought that Maya really just should have said screw it and threw some strikes with Woodley's hands that that low. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You, you get finished? Okay, you were losing the fight. You were down like four rounds to none anyway. But Woodley had to keep his hands that low because of the relentless shots of Damian Maya. And I was very impressed because Woodley corrected the issue that I mentioned on the podcast, Joe, where he likes to rest a little bit after stuffing takedown attempts because Maya did not give him time to do so. I, I was thinking as I was watching this fight, because it takes me back to a fight that when I was, um, I was with the UCC back in the day, I think it was Jason Black versus John Alessio. And it was a very difficult fight to score because one guy was just constantly aggressive and the other guy was solely counterfighting or counterpunching or countering what his opponent was doing to him. And, and, and it, we got into, I remember, a very in-depth conversation. as well, who's really winning that fight? Because really it seems like one guy is fighting. One guy is making an attempt to make it a fight. Uh, and then the argument back and forth was, you know, well, one guy's more of a grappler. You got to be careful with the grappler because if he overcommits, and that's what Tyron Woodley was saying uh, after the fight in his post-fight interview. To, to me, it was, you know, I, I found it difficult watching the fight, not because many people thought it was boring. It, it, it wasn't an exciting fight. Let's let's not kid ourselves. But it was like Damian Maya was the one technically trying to fight. 
Whereas Tyron Woodley was more or less, ah, you're going to do that, I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. It's, he was more reaction to every action that Damian Maya was doing. So when it comes down to, but then again, now we're starting to look at damage, right? So if you try to take me down 17 times, but I hit you in the face four times and your face is a complete mess, who won the fight? Yeah. Right? That's one of those things. So Tyron Woodley, in my opinion, is not going to be marketed by the UFC after seeing that. Like, how do you? Like, what do you take in that fight? You got, you know, you got to get your editors as an example to go through twenty-five minutes of fighting and find the four significant strikes that were landed, or seven significant strikes that were landed, whatever. Like real significant strikes that you saw Damian Maya sort of fall back, or or sort of like, oh wow, he got rocked right there. You know, you're a world champion in twenty-five minutes. You should be destroying your opponents, technically speaking. Um, I understand why Tyron fought like that, but if you choose to fight like that, don't expect to be loved. Don't expect to be promoted. I'm completely with you. I'm with you. And if they put him up against GSP, prepare for another fight. That is the exact same that we, we saw tonight or, or against Thompson. And, you know, if he was against a Masvidal or a Cerrone, then maybe it would be a little bit different, but. You know, I, I'll ask you, where, where does Maya go from here? To me, endless options for him. If he wants to keep fighting, I'm sure he does, because why wouldn't you want to make six figures to go in there and probably not get hit? Because he found – he lost a fight <laughs> five rounds to none probably and still barely got hit. How would you fear if Damian Maya decided to move back to 185 pounds? He should. It's It's – the division needs something. Yeah, he, he would be a nice infusion back into that division. I mean, you look at the top of that division, whether it's Michael Bisping. Um, now he's already fought Chris Wyman. We saw that fight already once. Um, yeah. But, you know, I would love to see Damien against the likes of Michael Bisping or Robert Whitaker, Hacuel Romero, or Jacare. Imagine Jacare versus Damien Maya. Come on. And there aren't a lot of ton or a ton of overwhelming wrestlers, like grinding wrestlers and stuff like that, that, that he would run into trouble with there. There are a lot of guys that could that could have fun fights. I mean, him versus Vitor Belfort could be a fun fight, or it could be like what we saw tonight. I don't know. Um, damn, yeah, it's 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 a bummer because I mean, I said it from the point from the moment that fight was announced. I was like, I'm not looking forward to this fight, Joe. I'm not gonna ever look forward to this fight. The components were there to make an all time boring fight, and unfortunately, that's what we got. Yeah, you know what. You're bang on because I thought to myself, I legit thought Damian Maya was going to get a takedown or two, you know, only because it's, it's the other thing was funny was almost I was getting did. messages. He almost did. Yeah, I was getting messages on my social media that Damian Maya has the worst takedowns ever. And I thought to myself, well, nobody was saying that before, you know, and then Joe Rogan, I think at the, in, in at, towards the end of round five that, you know, does this one style has the ship sailed on this one style type of fighter? I'm thinking to myself, dude, he's in a world title fight. It got him to a world title fight. He's been perfectly yeah. fine up until now. Now that it's not working, it sucks. It's terrible. The ship has sailed and people are ripping. Or like Damian, you and I talked about Damian Maia's t- takedowns uh, on Tuesday's Holy Smokes podcast. You know, it doesn't look technical, but he's extremely basic. 
But what he does is he's got chain takedowns because if he'll go after this, if you do this, he'll do that. If you don't do that, he'll do this. And eventually he'll take you down. Tyron Woodley did an absolutely stellar, fantastic job of defending those takedowns. I thought for sure Damian Maya was going to get at least a takedown or two and we'd have some fun with the backpack position. It didn't happen. So you got to give credit to Tyron Woodley there. But to tell me that Damian Maya's takedowns are terrible because they're not technical, man, no one complained up until today. Sorry, but I didn't see any complaints from anyone up until tonight's fight with Tyron Woodley. And all of a sudden, this one-dimensional fighter is now outdated and the ship has sailed. I'm sorry. He was the greatest thing since sliced bread leading up to this fight tonight. So, come on. Stop. I think Tanya Evinger is the greatest thing since sliced bread. (laughs) Told everybody she was going to make it more of a fight than they expected. I mean, she wasn't going to win, but she did take down Chris Cyborg. She... It's not a blueprint, but it's a little little thing people can point at and say, look at this. Check this out. Maybe maybe pay attention. Um, so Chris Cyborg whipped her ass really bad, and we're going to have updates from her, from both of their pressers since they're up right now. Avenger yep. took Cyborg's like best shots, I thought, in those opening two rounds and stood up. And it's like she got hit, and she was like, that sucks, but I'm still alive, so I'm going to turn around yeah. now. <laughs> she's so good at making she's so good at making fights messy and then capitalizing on that situation she rolls with punch as well uh cyborg even telegraphed some of her strikes uh but otherwise showed great improvement it's like what i said on on the show on the preview show our holy smokes mma podcast tuesdays at 3 p.m eastern she has adjusted (laughs) her game for the ufc even though up until now, really the quality of her opponent hadn't drastically improved. She strikes at range a lot better. Cyborg's footwork is a lot better. It was real good tonight. What I used to think had a little bit of a hole in it, her footwork, now I don't think does. Um, Evinger did what she could to stay away from Cyborg. Like She threw all of her strikes off of her back foot, and then when she finished, she was looking for ways to get out, like ways to exit. But... Pretty early into the fight, it was very obvious that she was throwing overhands to disguise shots, and Cyborg figured it out. And when Cyborg saw the overhand coming, it seemed like it happened over and over again, she wouldn't even put her hands up to block it, Cyborg wouldn't, because she knew it wasn't being thrown with any real intent. So what you would do is you would see Cyborg's hands go down to anticipate getting the underhooks in. And because she already had those arms down to get the underhooks in, that left her wide open to uh, knee Evinger to the body over and over and over. I, that's obviously what – I mean, we saw how it ended, but those built up. Those knees built up, and I'm real happy to see MMA uh, have so many – like tonight it seemed like there were knees to the body all night long. And just a few years ago, it didn't seem like that we were seeing them that much. So I'm really happy with that adaptation. What would you think about this, Joe? Well, yeah. Uh, first things first, everyone on the uh, on the live chat there, top right of the screen, thank you very much uh, for everything you guys are posting. Uh, I'm reading as we go along here, and I'm sure when I speak, Sean's doing the exact same thing. I'm noticing people are getting blocked, uh, and I'm seeing some lemons on there. Uh, lemon heads, cheese heads, dumbasses, uh, trolls. <laughs> it is what it is. You guys can say it and do whatever you want. Uh, you can take shots at me if you like. Here, here's, here's a fun story. Yeah. Uh, I went into the office, the uh, Jimmy Van's office this week 
And I learned that one of the people in the office, I had busted a mom joke on in our chat at one point. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, he, he, took, he took it great. He thought it was hilarious. It's awesome. The kind of, the kind of people we work with, Joe. Yes. Um, in terms of, of the cyborg Avenger fight, yeah, I mean, Avenger was just something else. I mean, it, it, I, I always find it kind of strange, having been around you know, the fight game for so long, watching somebody fight and lose, and I'm more happy with their performance than I am with the person who emerges victorious, if that makes any sense. Because Cyborg, uh, I was actually going back and forth with a friend of mine who's out in Vancouver, uh, a cameraman for Sportsnet. Um, we were just going back and forth, and you know he was he was kind of upset about the um, the Donald the, the yeah the Cowboy Cerrone uh, Robbie Lawler fight. Uh, not upset, just kind of like talking. We'll talk about that in a second as well. Um, but then I said, I look, man. I said, you know, Cyborg's fighting Tanya now. I said, I just I just hope you know nothing really bad happens to Tanya Avenger because you know Cyborg's a massive favorite here. This could get really really bad. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that makes me cringe. And as the fight went on. I'm like, yes, Tanya. Yes, you're just doing pretty damn good here. Keep going, keep going, keep going. So, you know, it, it, that what we all thought was going to happen eventually happened. I think most of us thought it was going to happen much sooner, but it eventually happened. The ways, the one thing that that really stood out for me in this fight here uh, is I don't know if this was something that was told or just done, and that's. The staff, or at least the two color commentators, not the play-by-play party, but the two color commentators, really taking shots at Jermaine Durand to me, like really taking shots at GDR and just saying all that stuff, as opposed to just letting it go. I was like, whoa, they're they're ripping into her, pretty damn good. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with that necessarily because of how that went. Like, why did you take the fight to be? Why did you fight for the title to begin with? Like, what was the point? This, this is a celebrity championship is what it is. There will ne- I, I don't think in any sense of coming years there will be any semblance of a real 145-pound division. It will be comprised of women who just don't want to cut to 135 anymore, often just for one fight at a time. Like, personally, I would love to see Holly Holm and Cyborg. That's the fight I want to see. Big time. Cyborg, Big Cyborg at the post-fight presser said she's willing to fight Australia to fight Megan Anderson. Don't I'm pretty sure Megan Anderson trains in America. Pretty sure. Uh, but <laughs> she also said that she thinks she made the UFC happy to work with her. I do too. She had a great performance. She looked great. She handled things in the lead-up to the fight well, much better than the Angela Magana situation. She said that she knew that uh, Evander was going to be a tough girl. Evanger said that she fought like a pussy and expected more out of herself and that her next fight would be at uh, 135. And she said that she at least wanted to go to the distance. But I thought that given short notice and fighting up a weight class and who she was fighting, I think Tanya Evanger made a lot of people uh, fans of her tonight. Uh, Vinny Fernando uh, on the live chat. Uh, I would suggest, Vinny, that you pay very close attention to how that storyline breaks out because Vinny is saying Nunez versus Cy- Cyborg sometime down the line. Uh, my answer is yes. I think that is going to happen down the line. Uh, but first, let's see what happens if we can get Holly Holm in there uh, versus Cyborg uh, and see what happens with 
Amanda Nunes. But that is definitely a fight. Those two Brazilians going at it would be, for me, would be a fantastic fight. Um, I don't know what the cardio would be like for those two. But for now, Amanda's got to deal with um, Shevchenko in Edmonton. Uh, I, I actually joke, when they posted that damn schedule, Sean, the UFC schedule yeah. for the end of the year, I thought of you and I going, well, our Saturdays are done. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, some of these, the benefit of some of these, like the China show, that's not going to be at night. Yeah, we know true. that ain't going to be at night. The Australia. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A show. That's not going to be a night. Well, actually, it might be a night, but it's probably going to be a Sunday night. Um, I'm pretty sure that a couple of the like the Poland show that's going to be in the afternoon. So I don't think it'll be that bad. October 14th is clear. That's about it. All right. Christmas. So if we're planning on booking vacations, the October 14th would be the one. Yeah. I, hey, my <laughs> vacation is actually, which is funny. My wife and I are going on our year-delayed honeymoon. I didn't want to go on one last year because we just launched the site. Yep. But we were telling people that Toronto was my honeymoon and Orlando was hers. So I have that coming up in September. But, yeah, it's going to get busy in the fall. But the thing is, I mean, you got a show in Poland, a fight night in Brazil. Some of these will not even be big enough for us to talk about, to be honest with you. Some of these are going to be well, bad. The, the, now, the fact – I don't think people understand, but the fact that the UFC is going to Winnipeg in December, Dumb. that is not a good idea. Dumb. That is not Dumb. a good idea. Uh, I love that city because I've been there, and it is just beautiful, but I went in the middle of summer. You don't want to go to Winnipeg. Isn't Megan stuck in Australia due to visa issues? That might be the case, actually. So I guess I'm the asshole. Yeah, it looks like we will be covering <laughs> December 1 and 2 because the Ultimate Fighter finale. Usually I'd say, oh, we'd cover that the next night, but that'll probably have Gaith G and Alvarez on it and a title fight. So, Yeah. Uh, Brock Smith asked me if I know Dean Blundell, who's a, who's a pretty big, I guess, radio personality here. Met him once. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm, we're friends. Uh, if I saw him or he saw me, I'm sure we'd say, how's it going? But other than that, uh, to answer the question, no. I don't think we're uh, we're actually friends. Not close personal um, friends like me and Joe who watched the Blue Jays yeah. game together. We hung out. We hung out and watched uh, crazy ass food competitions, which was absolutely insane. Oh my god! Yeah, people getting paid two thousand dollars to eat uh, a bunch of poutine. I'll have video of that up on my vlog. Actually, <laughs> the That's picture you posted on your Instagram, calling it was the greatest competition of all time with my bald head. Battle at the bottom. of the century. Valisentry, great. <laughs> he sees my bald head at the bottom. I was like, "What are you doing?" That's awesome. Oh my god! Um, all right, so uh, for Cyborg, we we definitely want to see Holly Holm next. And that's what I want. Yeah, I mean, I would just use the Megan Anderson visa issues as an excuse to uh, <laughs> as as an excuse to book that one. But UFC is going to Australia on November 18th, 19th, wherever you are. So 
they could. But then why would the UFC do that knowing that Megan Anderson has visa issues? Possibly having her win a title like that. You know, I, I wouldn't do that. Not until her visa issues are clear. Um, I want to know your thoughts because uh, I obviously, on, on my social media, I gave props to the MMA gods for giving us Robbie Lawler and Donald Cerrone. That fight lived up to the hype because how many times have we seen two fighters line up, the stars align, we finally get to see them, and it's a dud. This was not a dud. Uh, these two went at it. Very close fight. Could have went either way, in my opinion. Uh, but I'm just glad it finally went down. What were your thoughts when you finally saw them step into the cage and you're like, this is really happening? Give me a best of seven series. Yeah, give me five rounds. Mm-hmm. Lawler turned it into a hockey fight earlier on, and Cerrone did not like it. There were questions about the body of Cerrone going into this because, as Rogan said, his guts were hanging out after an accident. I thought that Cerrone worked elbows really well. He does that so well, especially when his opponents cover up. He likes to push back and then at range, like throw upward elbows and throw elbows around the defense. Uh, Him faking the takedown in round two opened things up a little bit more for him. I think a lot more for him to the point to where I'm questioning, should that have been a 10-8 round given the new scoring? Robbie Lawler landed three strikes in that round. Uh, Donald Cerrone landed, I think, over 20. So that one was, that one was, you know, with me, they're supposed to be a little more liberal there. Uh, the the interesting thing about this fight, Joe, is that Lawler's first minute almost won him that fight, but I thought almost lost him the fight too, because of how he performed for the like the nine minutes that followed. Yeah, it's an interesting take. And that's what my friend and I were talking about via text. He's like, he thinks that Donald Cerrone's, or he thought that Donald Cerrone's um, first round and control of Robbie Lawler did more to win that round. And I said, no, that's not how it works. You have to try and win the fight. So what Donald, what, what Robbie Lawler did in the first minute or so, what you call a hockey fight, did much more to try and win the fight than getting a takedown and not able to even attempt a submission, per se. Position and body control is not ending a fight. That is something you look at after effective striking, effective grappling, okay? Um, the effective striking is always first, effective grappling is second, and then um, cagemanship, ringmanship, um, whatever you want to call it, that is looked at afterwards. So Robbie Lawler did pretty damn good there. But we all know that Robbie Lawler at times as the fight goes on may slow down. Although it's not a 25-minute fight, it was a 15-minute fight. Robbie, I remember, um, I think it was Johnny Hendricks that told me, he said, go back and watch Robbie's fights. He goes, you're going to see a couple of things in, in many of his fights. You'll see Robbie, if you, if you take the five minutes of a round, you'll see him go from about a minute and a half. He'll peak up. He will cruise. He will drop. And then as the round comes to an end, he'll peak up again. And that's psychology in the judge's eyes. I said, you know what? That's a genius move because I know other fighters, that, Canadian fighters that do that, where they'll win the round early, be okay, sort of coast, midway through the round and as the round comes to an end you know uh, explode again to go back into the judge's eyes and say yep that, that guy won the round or that girl won the round uh robbie lawler apparently has a penchant for doing that so we saw him do it in the opening round here but like you said as the fight went on it did affect him uh he did lose round number two i also
Joe, I lost you. I want to hear from you guys. What do you guys think, actually? Uh, Justin H. agrees with me as well in terms of uh, the breakdown there. Um, I got you back. Gotcha. So I guess you missed my little uh, explanation there. No, I, I got I got the majority of it, but yeah, you, you, as I saw on the on the stream, you went out for briefly, but but yeah, I thought this was the type of fight that it lived up to my expectations, and I, I want to see more. I want to see it again. If if there's a controversy, you know what? We can solve it. Fight. Lawler <laughs> Cerrone two, MSG, please. Yeah. Do you think the fight lived up to the hype, though? Because I think it did. I mean, you know, yeah. were, were we expecting f- more fireworks? You could make that case, but these are two crazy-ass dudes, man. I think it lived up to the hype. Yeah, I do, too. Uh, one thing to note, Robbie Lawler has, I think, one finish within three rounds in the last four years. In the four years before that, now keep in mind, he was losing a lot before that. He had four. So with age, we're seeing some of that power go away. Uh, Which is Robbie weird because speed goes away before power. Yeah, I think they're both going away for him. I do. I mean, but he he made the fight his fight, and I mean, I don't think he's a bad fighter or anything. I just think that the speed's going, the power's going. Uh, it's just unfortunately the way it is. But he's still putting on good fights, and he's still winning fights. So sure. Speaking of guys that are winning fights, Sean Rossap, mm-hmm. I'm at Titan FC. They're off to the weigh-ins. They're going to that beautiful yacht to weigh in, <laughs> and I get the call. Hey, man, the car changed. I said, why did the car change? Uh, we lost our co-main event. We lost our heavyweight fight. What do you mean? What happened? Well, Vulcan Ozdemir got called to the UFC. Okay? He goes, uh, and I get told, just be ready when he comes. He's going to come on the broadcast tomorrow, uh, and he'll join you and Kamar Usman, and you can ask him about the fight. He's fighting OSP. Don't tell anybody. Okay. We'll break it on the show. No problem. Okay. Sitting there, me. Uh, Kamar Usman, Vulcan Uzdemir, and I'm literally looking at Vulcan. I'm like, dude, you got two and a half weeks to make 205 pounds. Uh, I think it was less than two and a half weeks, actually. But anyways, you got two weeks to make 205 pounds, and you're fighting OSP. And the look on his face was so stoic, so almost Gunnar Nelson-ish. Like, yeah, you know, I'm fighting him, and you know, we're going to have a good fight. And I'm just like, dude, you're fighting OSP. You understand that? You're fighting OSP. You have never fought in the octagon. You never fought in the UFC. You're fighting OSP. Yeah, you know, he's a good, tough fighter. Sometimes unpredictable. I'm like, this guy is just, he's so calm. Goes in there, beats OSP. And then you and I are like, oh, he's fighting Misha Sirkinov. Ah, it's going to be a tough fight, man. Yeah. It takes up Misha Sirkinov, uh, what, in the first minute, I think it was? It was damn early. And then, boom, he gets Jimmy Manoa. Uh, and he takes out Jimmy Manoa in 42 seconds. This is a guy who a few months back wasn't even in the UFC, and he's taken out OSP, Misha Sirkinov, uh, Jimmy Manoa, and is on the cusp of fighting John Jones next. I love it. Uh, you know what? If Nikita Krylov, who was at least by the rankings overrated, is gone, and Rumble Johnson, who wasn't motivated, is gone, and who uh, Dave Meltzer said that was at least 255 tonight at the event. Um, and we get a, a, a motivated, young, hungry Volkan Ozdemir. I'll take it. Not only that, I think he's a threat to anybody above 204 pounds. He's not a threat to anybody below just because he can't make the weight. But he, this is a guy who fought at heavyweight, too. 
fought yep. at heavyweight and won back-to-back fights. And he's, he's went back and forth between heavyweight and light heavyweight. And while, you know, his one loss, anytime you lose to a neck crank, that's kind of embarrassing, I'm sure. But he was young in the game. He was like 24, 23 years old when that happened. But since then, he stepped in and he beat OSP, Serkinov, and Manawa. <laughs> Six months Man. ago. Man. Six months ago, you never heard of this guy. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like, if he catches John Jones with one of the punches that Daniel Cormier caught him with, what happens? We don't yeah. know. Because yeah. we've seen Volkan Ozdemir in 42 seconds and 28 seconds, respectively, land shots on Manoa and Serkinov, respectively, that should not have knocked them out. A short uppercut in the clinch. That sometimes happens at heavyweight. You don't see that happening a lot at light heavyweight where people go out like that. Uh, the shot that knocked out Mijus Ergonov probably shouldn't have knocked him out at all. But even even Ozdemir said it. He goes, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but something's going on. That was uh, pretty cool. With all due yeah, respect man. to Mijus Ergonov, he probably looked at this fight tonight and was like, see, told you. Told you. Dude's yeah. got heavy hands. Sure. I'm for it. Um, I like it. Strike while the iron is hot. Brock Lesnar can't fight till 2018. I know that a lot of people were like, oh, that's the one to do. That's the one to do. No, he cannot fight until 2018, you guys. There's there's no, oh, USADA can do this, this, that. Yeah, okay. And then they open themselves up to lawsuits from Frank Mir and Chad Mendez. Chad Mendez, who got suspended for psoriasis cream. My, yeah. by the way, hmm. but, um, yeah, now, now the results are a little more lopsided, 42% Lesnar, 36% Gustafson, 22 Ozdemir, but still, I mean, I think, I don't think they expected, uh, Ozdemir to even get 22%, but Ozdemir, very impressive. And a guy who, like you said, six months ago, nobody knew who he was. And, you know, maybe they want to throw something on MSG, bet he takes it. Bet you yeah. he doesn't pass up a title fight like some guys that we've known in the past. Mm-hmm. Somebody yeah. says, what do you do with Gus then? Well, you know, Gustafson doesn't necessarily like to fight that often as is. So, well, Gustafson won't fight Manoa because they're training partners, and that rematch yeah. with DC is a possibility. Yeah, I would. Uh, well, first off, you got to wonder what the mental state of a Daniel Cormier is right yeah, now. of course. But I, I would love the rematch with Cormier. Or if Shogun won, why not? Why not do that? Shogun's on a hot streak. Joe yeah, might see that. Absolutely. Why if not? Shogun wins against OSP, why not? Why not rematch them? I mean, it's been five what five years since they fought. Sure, do that. All right. On the prelim card, uh, I'm not happy with Ricardo Lamas, who made my fun bet with Jason Knight winning by submission uh, not take place. Uh, oh boy, the bully. Bully Jason Knight, and Jason Knight is just like, what is in his jaw? Because that dude was legit out for a good 30 seconds, and he was still kind of like just regrouping and like, I'm going to fight. And he just boom, 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 boom. Oh, come back. Boom, 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 boom. I'm a cold. No, I'm not. Keep going. Like, holy smokes. He looked absolutely fan- not fantastic. He can take an absolute beating, but then eventually the body's going to shut down, uh, and Ricardo Lamas eventually gets that victory. Uh, my question for you is, what did you think of Ricardo's performance? Obviously, I know what you're going to say, but 
the performance itself in terms of this division right now at 145 pounds. Looked awesome. Looked great. Um, in relation to 145 pounds, unfortunately for him, he has lost to Max Holloway and Jose Aldo, and he went out there and performed like a guy who needed to make a name of himself because he lost to Max Holloway last year. Knight tried to get creative on the ground, but he took a lot of damage, maybe a little more than he needed to. Uh, what else can you say, man? Ricardo Lamas looked good. I mean, I'd love to break it down, but he just he got violent and won the damn fight. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Uh, but you know what? I was a little bit of sad, a little sad because this was supposed to be Korean Zombie versus Lamas. Oh, yes. You're correct, sir. You are correct, sir. Yeah. Uh, Moving on to a, what's not really, I guess, considered a featherweight fight. It was a catchweight fight. I was going to give some love out to Matt Serra for giving me the shirt. Can we play boys to men end of the road right now? (laughs) You're saying Hannah Burrell I would sing it if my voice wasn't shot. Aljamain Sterling. How about this? Could you, how bad would it have been if he had cut those extra five pounds? Oh, yeah. How bad would it there be? California did you Hennon Burrell, California did you a favor, playboy. You need to thank them. You need to send the California State Athletic Commission an edible arrangement for helping you, for making this fight 140 pounds instead of 135. Now, what I'll ask you, Joe, is what does this mean for his 135-pound future in California? If he wanted to take a 135-pound fight in Florida or California, do you think they let him based on his performance at 140 pounds? No. Because – Zero. Yeah, I mean, why would they? And now Henan Burrell, once considered unbeatable, two and four in his last six. Aljamain, this this was a fight that I thought was going to answer a bunch of questions because I've, I said that uh, – Aljamain Sterling was a guy who relied a lot on potential throughout his career. And uh, he just beat a former UFC Bantamweight champion. And he's got some good wins. He's got Mizugaki and Eduardo. The losses to a Sun Sal and Caraway were splits, but a good win. And uh, he needed it because if he would have lost his third out of four, that's, that's bad. That's, that's tough to come back from. Hannah Brow. Hannah Brow, Hannah Brow, Hannah Brow. Best thing that ever came from him was that UFC 149 commercial where he was like surfing or whatever. Remember mm-hmm. that? The Beach yeah. Boys parody. It was great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but real. So sometimes you look at these fights when these guys win these fights, like Aljamain Sterling. He took out a former champion. Uh, but we start looking at a guy like Hannah Brow and we're like, yeah, you're done. Like, oh, I wanted to ask you this, though. Forget forget about that, that anyways, because Aljamain Sterling deserves the win. Um, you, you know, one, one judge had a 30-26. Um, what did you make of Dominic Cruz's comments that the California State Athletic Commission was wrong for making this a catchweight fight because it made it more dangerous for Aljamain Sterling? It could be argued. I, I could definitely, I could see his point for sure. But uh, Aljamain Sterling looked fine when he had that body triangle locked on. Looked fine when he slipped doing some silly shit and went for a knee bar, which I appreciated that he at least he was like, "I'm down here. Might as well go for it." 
Uh, I thought his ground and pound looked good to the point where Burrell had to go to his back. Like he was just like, I got to go to my back. Um, but I, I could, yeah, I, I see Cruz's point. I do. I, it's it's a very arguable point in my opinion. Not buying it. Not buying it. Really? I think he's wrong. Yep. Um, I'll tell you one guy who scares me. Scares me a lot. Brian Ortega. Man, he's great. Because <laughs> it's awesome. Like, what a fight between him and Moicano. Like, those two guys could give a rat's ass about their future health because they just went at it, went at it, went at it. And as soon as that thing got close to the ground and when it went to the ground, it was over. It was over. Ortega is a bad man on the ground with his great jiu-jitsu and his striking is just, he'll sit there with the pocket with anyone. Um, I believe his corner was basically saying, dude, what are you you doing? Get this fight to the ground. Stop playing with this guy. Get down on the ground. And as soon as it happened, guillotine, done. See ya. Thanks for calling. I mean, what did you think? 5-0 in the UFC is... Win before that, I remember, was a win against Keone Coke, who was Eric Coke's brother. Pretty good win there, too. That was a close fight. RFA featherweight championship. I'll never forget that. But um, he jumped into the UFC. It's unfortunate he had that, that positive drug test. But Brandau, Guida, and uh, Renato back-to-back-to-back. Tiago Tavares before that. Like, he's fought some dudes that, like, that if he got beat by, you'd be like, that's forgivable. Sure, that's forgivable, but he keeps finishing people. And that featherweight, to finish five guys back-to-back, man, that's something, to, that's something to keep your eye on. 26 years old, that's something to keep your eye on. Uh, I'm a big – I really like uh, Brian Ortega, and I think, I think he's a guy to watch in the division. It's crazy to think, like, just, like, boom – Top ten feather or top ten featherweight fight right there. Like uh, I almost forgot those two guys were even in the top fifteen, much less the top ten, which is yeah. good because that that revolving door we're getting that revolving door situation at the top of featherweight where everybody's been beaten by the guy that's on top. It seems like, and even the guy that's not on top, Jose Aldo, has beaten everybody too. And Jose Aldo said, "I'm not done." And I'm not done at featherweight, too. So we need some more guys to either feed to these lions or to attack them and become the new king lion. So, Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, who they match Ortega with uh, up next, although I'd like, to, like it to be Brian Caraway, but uh, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, we can get into that. Uh, well, that's at Bantamweight. Uh, Ortega's at featherweight. Uh, featherweight, yeah, sorry, featherweight. sorry. Well, I mean, it, you're just as likely to get Brian Caraway to take a fight at featherweight as you are at bantamweight these days. So, yeah, very true. Um, Calvin Katara comes in there, takes out Andre Philly. Um, Albu. So on the UFC, uh, the fight pass prelim card, uh, Alexandra Albu. It's just a monster with those takedowns. Um, the way she just launches and yells and screams is absolutely fantastic. Uh, but Kaylin Curran came back in that fight uh, and just put on an absolute just a 
beast of a turnaround. And I, looking at those two, when the judges or when Bruce Buffer was announcing the official decision, and you see Albu's face just completely mangled, and Curran like just kind of like, come on, come on, come on, tell me it's me, tell me it's me, tell me it's me. Then the, then Bruce announces that it's Albu, and you see Albu going, huh? Yeah, cool. I won. Awesome. Yeah. Like, what did you make of that one? I think she's three and zero, and she's in the UFC. So I think. All right then. <laughs> and she fought a she fought a girl who is now four and five and is in the UFC. That's what I think, Joe. I and like you know that. where those you know where those three three of those wins came from. Tell me. A little place called Pacific Extreme Combat, which is straight duty. I'm pretty sure. There is a woman watching our podcast right now that could have beaten the three women that Kaylin Curran beat to get into the UFC in gotcha. Guam. In Guam. Gotcha. In um, Guam. I put zero stock in this fight. This is a World Series of Fighting prelim fight is what this is. Oh, my gosh. And World Series wow. of Fighting doesn't even exist anymore. That's <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Um the one thing that, so as as um, we mentioned on on Tuesday's show, uh, it was uh, actually no, we didn't mention it on Tuesday's show. You and I talked about it with Jimmy Van. Well, I mean, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but how quickly does Invicta yeah. sign Kalen Curran? That's already done. Yeah, I can confirm. Oh, you, you, you got fired. You were in the UFC. You breathed on the UFC building. <laughs> what does the inside of the UFC Performance Institute look like? Can we, when can we? When can you start? Terrible. That's Invicta right now, calling Terrible. the four and five. Kaylin Curran, one and five in the UFC. She's gonna co-main event a card this year, probably for Invicta. I want to end this show off. Well, we can end it in a variety of different <laughs> ways. Uh, I, I'm upset. I hope it's done. We talked about Josh Bergman should not be fighting anymore, and tonight was. Yeah. Proof yet again, Drew Dober taking him out uh, in just over three minutes with a knockout. It's done. They, they should not. I don't know why. Like the UFC, Berkman's family should be telling him not to fight. The UFC should not be giving him any more fights. I don't care if he's under contract. And the commissions should start knowing better and be like, you know what, nah, dude, like it's done. Like you're you're getting hurt, man. Unnecessary damage, but you got to get paid. I get it, but you're getting hurt. This is nasty, and it's what we predicted. Uh, that's what we pr- predicted on last week, and it's unfortunate. You, un- I know you know the dude, and even you put him in your fun bets thing. You're like this is probably one to take. Drew Dober via TKO. Yeah. Uh, Tyron Woodley just said that on George St. Pierre. He said, if he doesn't fight me by default, I will be the best welterweight of all time. I saw, that. I saw that. He said that GSP doesn't want to fight him because he is a better version of GSP. Did I, did I miss the boot on this? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, neither one of them had particularly exciting fights at times, but um, yeah. Uh, also, Maya said that Anderson Silva was the tougher title fight for him. Saw that, yeah. And said that uh, he knew that going to the ground with me would be hard for him. Uh, he's smart. I have a lot of respect for him. And Woodley said, I thought he was a great opponent. He shot 24 times. Man. 
I don't think it was 24. I think that's his cornerman telling Woodley it was 24. Maybe. Uh, before we say Maybe. goodbye, I want everyone to know that I contacted Deshaun Pearson uh, to join us for Tuesday's uh, Holy Smokes podcast. So we have no idea what Sean is going to say. But if you have any questions for Sean or you want to help me rile him up, although it doesn't take much, make sure you hit me up on social media, at Showdown Joe, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter, or on Facebook. Uh, let me know what you want me to ask Sean because he'll probably lose his marbles. Uh, but yeah, Sean Pearson will likely join us on Tuesday's edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. No promises. You never know. He's got a busy life as well. But uh, we're going to try and get him on because he's very animated. And I want to get his thoughts on a whole bunch of things from this card uh, and from what's happening. Uh, as we close off the show, what do you say, sir? I thought this was an awesome show overall. If you took that Woodley Maya fight that was a bad idea to start with, a bad idea to start with, and you just throw it out. You got a pretty awesome show here from, from start to finish. Um, you guys are going to hear me talk about Toronto an awful lot this week. Uh, I had the time of my life. I can't say enough good things about Toronto and the city and uh, the people that, that Joe, that we work with. I love those people. I, there wasn't, a single person there that I could say anything bad about at this point. Uh, I had the time of my life this week and thank you to my team, uh, especially Alex, David, Carlos for stepping up some of their duties in my absence. And I apologize that I will be doing that again in September when I go to Orlando, but <laughs> Hey, Hey, these were, this was uh, days five through seven. I've had off since Fightful started, so it happens. But overall, UFC 214, a good show. I'm going to finish watching this presser after this podcast. You all can go to FightfulPods.com. You all can go to Fightful.com. Use our forum to talk MMA, pro wrestling, boxing. Head over to Trig Tent, one of our beautiful sponsors for the best in politics. Some other people we're going to be talking about soon, too, but Fightful.com, you guys. We got it all, my friends. Head over there. Maybe you've never checked out Fightful.com before and you've only uh, visited us for podcasts, but we got all your MMA, boxing, and wrestling news. Carlos Toro puts together an awesome boxing newsletter every week that really educates me as I'm editing it. So, uh, yeah, good times. Absolutely. Don't forget, every Tuesday, guys, girls, everyone on the live chat, everyone tuned in right now and on Stitcher and on iTunes, uh, the Holy Smokes podcast with yours truly and Sean Ross Sapp. Give him a follow, at Sean Ross Sapp. Don't laugh at his Instagram posts. They're silly, but they're funny. My Instagram um, is legit. Legit dumb. No, it's legit. It's good. It's awesome. I laugh every time. I just It's so random. It's so random. It's just fantastic. But yeah, give Sean a follow at Sean Ross Sapp on all social media. Yours truly at Showdown Joe. Uh, and from my end, at Fightful MMA. We want to thank everyone uh, who tunes in all the time after a UFC event. We thank you very much. Thank you to those who join us on Tuesdays. Tell a friend. Download it. Like it. Uh, I don't care if it's one star, five stars, whatever you got to do. Thumbs up here on YouTube, uh, on on. So on the uh, Stitcher and on the iTunes side, give us feedback, man. Let us know your thoughts. You know, give us give us some some feedback. You want us to continue doing things, changing things? Uh, let us know, man. We love the feedback, but at least take the time to rate us. We really appreciate it. Give us a thumbs up on the YouTube side. We sincerely appreciate it. Uh, like I said, Sean Pearson will join us 
uh, hopefully, will join us on Tuesday. And we all know it's going to be an absolute disaster because uh, it doesn't take much for me to rile him up. He'll rip me. We all know he's going to rip me for something. I mean, the guy lives two and a half minutes north of me. So it's just going to be stupid. But whatever. It's Sean Pearson. I love him. He's a great guy. But we thank all of you for joining in um, Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, Holy Smokes Podcast. But for now, we say thank you for joining us. And we do say ciao for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.